0: Good morning. Is everyone well? Maybe. Okay. We'll, we'll we'll try that again later. Um. Okay. Let me just do a quick time jerk. we oh, on ten past. Okay. okay. To be honest, this is either going to be really short or it's going to run over. But it's almost definitely not going to be dead on twenty minutes. Um. But we'll see. I haven't timed it, but. Uh, I'm sure we'll be fine. Um, it was really interesting, actually, that Stu um, spoke to us this morning, just very briefly, about the the verse in Lectio and about the idea of this kind of wider church community, 20, uh, 22 billion people um, meeting at some point today as part of the church. Um, because we're going to look at today... Um, well, part of what we're looking at is, is that church community, is, is how does it, what does that mean? What does it mean to be part of a church community when things are a little bit difficult, when things are, you know, potentially get a little bit tricky? Um, and and that got me thinking over the last kind of week or so when I've been preparing this, is just actually that is, that's a huge thing, isn't it? Like we're, we're a church community here and we have our own disagreements, I'm sure. I'm not going to mention any of them. Um, If you see me afterwards um, and we can we can do that but we you know and then and then we're part of the the wider Bristol church community and we're part of the wider community of churches in the United Kingdom and then we're also part of that wider church community of two billion people across the world and we don't agree with absolutely everyone that's part of that community and it'd be a little bit weird if we did wouldn't it and so what we're going to try and look at is what can we take from Corinthians, from two Corinthians, and, and look at kind of how, how we do that well. How do we disagree well? How do we have community well? How do these relationships work? Um, and I, uh, one of the things that got me thinking as well is at a wedding yesterday, um, we were over in Abergavenny, it was a lovely day, but the whole wedding was outside, so it was it was pretty intense um it was really hot but it was really it was a, it was a really lovely day um but there were points of the day where i, where I started to think actually this is a li- they, you know the people that get married they're um they're old friends of mine they're not they don't go to the church they're not christians but um but they were part of there was there's parts of that day when we we're at the wedding when i thought well oh, this is this is a lot like church in the sense that there were a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds all there for one reason. Um, so the couple that are getting married, give you a little bit of a... just The, the, the guy's name's Chicken, right? But his, name, his real name's not Chicken, but everyone knows him as Chicken. He's a six-foot-seven Scouse bike messenger. He's an old mate of mine. He's now an urban farmer. Um, and his wife, Rachel, is from Northern Ireland, and she works at Bristol Zoo. So a very kind of eclectic couple but just fantastic, really lovely but their families couldn't be more different either. Right? So Chicken's family are a bunch of mad scousers and that's his words, not mine Um, and Rachel's family are are all kind of quite uh, conservative Christians from Northern Ireland and they came together and they met for the first time on Thursday when they did the actual kind of proper legal wedding um, down at Arna's Manor Hotel and they described it as like this kind of meeting of, of, of people that were just from different worlds and then we saw the same thing yesterday at the wedding so we're there at the wedding, I'm there with my boys, with Verity, there's people that have known, um, you know, have known Chicken from when he was growing up as a rollerblader in Liverpool and then there's people that went to university with Rachel or worked with her at the zoo and everyone was there in this field in Abergavenny for one reason, and that was to celebrate the love that these two had for each other. And it worked because there was a reason that they were there. Um, And that just made me think yesterday a little bit of kind of how churches work. Uh, We have loads of different things going on, loads of different backgrounds, loads of different people from lots of different places, but we come together because we want to celebrate Jesus, we want to celebrate God, and we have that thing that unites us That's done something in our lives and has drawn us all in our sense to, you know, to this place in Ebby. But to other people in different places all over the world. Um, But sometimes it goes wrong. And one of the things that uh, someone was doing a speech, actually the father, the, the mother of the groom did a speech as well. So I told you, eclectic group of people, Um, and one of the things that she said to Chicken and Rach yesterday, and I thought this was really um, poignant, not just for what I was talking about this morning, but just in general, was that she said, you know, one of the things that's going to get you through your marriage, and I think this is true of all relationships, is having tolerance with each other, right? Kindness and tolerance. She spoke that to them, and she said, have that, and you guys will be fine. And that, again, got me thinking to what I was going to be speaking about this morning. So what we see in 2 Corinthians, and actually, is it on the, could we pop it up? Thank you. Um, I'll just read it real quick, because um, it won't take too long, and then we'll just have it in our minds, but if you want to um, yeah, find it on your, in your Bibles or on your devices, that's fine, but it should also it'll be up there as well. Um, so 2 Corinthians 7, 2 to 13. Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have exploited no one. I do not say this to condemn you. I have said before that you have such a place in our hearts that we would live or die with you. I have spoken to you with great frankness. I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged in all our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. But we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for him, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance, for you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you what earnestness or eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. So even though I wrote to you, it was neither on account of the one who did wrong, nor on the account of the injured party, but rather that before God, you could see for yourselves how devoted to us you are. By all this, we are encouraged. So this is Paul's second letter to the Corinthians and we've been going through this over the last few weeks just picking out what we can learn from it as a church um, here in Bristol. And I think what's really interesting is that Paul starts by stating his position and encouraging the church. He says, In all our troubles my joy knows no bounds So whatever's happening within the church whatever disagreement they're having whatever issue there is the overarching feeling towards the church is one of joy. I think that's really hard to acknowledge that there's trouble in a relationship but to choose that joy will be that constant emotion. And we don't know exactly What issues Paul's addressing in this letter. But to be honest, and I need to be careful how I say this, I'm not sure for what I'm talking about today that that's really important. Obviously, it's important that it's in the Bible. But for today's point, and for looking at kind of how we deal with trouble and how we deal with issues and how we deal with relationships, I don't think the issue is the thing that we need to focus on, I think what we need to look at as a community here and as a church in 2022 is how that issue is dealt with and the way that the relationships are maintained throughout. So we know that in the first letter to Corinthians, Paul's instructing the church as they form. So the church is just starting and they're running into the various issues that come with a new community. So the week before last, or maybe the week before that, Verity and I went to Hill House, which is a Christian uh, camp for children and young people, and we were house parents there. Um, and we got each give, got given a kind of a group of, of uh, young people. So um, so I Verity had a group of uh, nine girls who just took to her instantly. She was there. She you know she was doing hair for them at breakfast time, and um, they just thought she was fantastic. And then I had a, a kind of a more mixed group. Um, and you know so we, we, we were making sure they went to bed, making sure they brushed their teeth trying to encourage them to shower making sure they got to breakfast on time, doing activities with them, so for that week just kind of had this group and you, we saw within those groups the kind of the things that you see when groups are starting do you know what I mean? The whole kind of norming forming, storming no, Norman's the end one, isn't it? That's when it all becomes okay, in theory. Um, But we saw these groups of, of young people kind of become a, go from being a group of individuals to kind of becoming a group, and they were forced into this situation. And I feel like that's a little bit like what the Corinthians were dealing with in that first letter, is that they were this new group, and they were forming into this church. And so Paul is guiding them through that. And in this second letter, it seems as though there were some more relational problems that had started to pop up within the church. And Paul starts by saying he doesn't regret the letter, even if it has upset some people. Which I think it sounds quite harsh, but I think it's also quite important, isn't it? Because I think what we get from that is Paul is clear and confident that he's speaking for God on that, on, on, on that issue. He's saying, I know this is hard for you to hear. And I know that you might be a little bit upset by it, but it's important, and it's important that you hear it, and it's true. And he's able to speak with that authority, but it's important to know that he's not kind of offering his opinion. He's not saying this is something I personally have an issue with. He's, he's coming from a space where he's been listening to God, and he's asking God, what is your message for the Corinthians? And he's, he's going... And and he's, he's, he's sure and he's confident that he's in that place. And that's why he can say, I know it's hard for you to hear. And I know that you've been hurt. But sometimes when you hear something hard, it's going to be painful. But he doesn't have an agenda. He doesn't come with kind of his, like I say, his own opinion, his own agenda. He just wants the church to be better. He wants the church to grow from this situation. And I don't know about you, but my initial reaction on being uh, called out on something that I'm doing wrong is not as mature as the Corinthians was. I I, I get indignant, and I don't like it. Um, but actually, the Corinthians showed a real maturity when they heard this message from Paul. And so I think within this message from Paul, there are two kind of really clear lessons for us as a church I think it's the way the issue is presented by Paul and then the way the issue is received by the Corinthians so when Paul presents the issue he does it really well he makes the way that he feels about the Corinthians known to them he lets them know that he cares about them that he thinks that they're important that he loves them It says in verse 3, I do not say this to condemn you. I've said before that you have such a place in our hearts that we would live or die with you. I've spoken to you with great frankness. I take great pride in you. I'm greatly encouraged in all our troubles. My joy, my joy knows no bounds. But that's the kind of thing, isn't it? When you hear someone say that, you know something's coming afterwards. So there's a term... I've done a little bit of, in my job, a little bit of management training, and there's a term, it's, it's a rude word, so I won't say it, but it's a poo sandwich, right? <laughs> the idea being that you give someone a, a slice of bread, which isn't that great, and then you put something... No, no, sorry, it's the other way around, isn't it? So you say the good thing, right? So you say the good thing, and then the little middle filling is something that's not so great, so that's the, that's, that's the poo. Um, and then the second bit of bread is the lovely bit of bread again. And that kind of feels like what Paul is doing here. He's kind of saying, you know, I've, yeah, this is, you guys are great, you're fantastic, love you, live or die for you, but... <laughs> and then at the end, we see him again encouraging them. So these, uh, the, the, these training sessions that you go on with work, it's all just old stuff that is just re-marketed. Um, Because he acknowledges that the letter he had to write would have been really hard for the Corinthians to receive. But it had to be said, and that the result would be good. And like I said, I think these difficult conversations in relationships, I think we can learn from this passage. And I know for some people the the, the idea of conflict is incredibly hard. The idea of having a difficult conversation can be like the stuff of nightmares. And that can be with anyone, let alone when it's someone that you really care about. And so how do we, how do we go about having those conversations in a, in a church setting, in a community which is full of different people with different ideas and different opinions? Um, do, we, do we shy away from that stuff? Or are we open to having those conversations? Throughout the letter, Paul lets the Corinthians know that he has their best interests at heart. And he cares deeply about them. It, it, I'm going to say it again because it's, it's so important in that he constantly states that the, 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 the driving force is his love for them and his joy for them as a church, even when having to confront those issues. And like I said, I've done a little bit of this stuff with work. I've also done um, the marriage course. I've done... Um, I've, I, did, I did a whole training session at work called Having Difficult Conversations that was fun Um, and but in all of these things um, whether it be like you know a a church based thing like the marriage course or the parenting course or or, you know a more kind of like work based management thing they all say the same things that you confront the issue not the person right so you take the issue that is is the thing and that becomes what and and you, you face it together and that's what Paul's doing here isn't it he's saying to Corinthians you want to be better and there's this issue and we need to face it together so one of the things I remember from the marriage course and people that have done the marriage course probably remember this thing as well it was, it was a, an analogy that they used and they said when you're, when you're in, in a marriage and I think this can work in any relationship is, is the, the kind of the temptation is to sit across from someone and to have the issue in front of you, so you're arguing about it. And so I'm talking to Ben, and the issue is right here in front of us, and it becomes me versus Ben, which it never would, because Ben's fantastic and we don't have any issues. But (laughs) if we did, the better way to deal with it is to get Ben to come and sit with me over here, and the issue is in front of us. So rather than the issue being between us and us kind of arguing over it, we're a team, and we're looking at the issue together, can use that, Bex. Um, next time Ben doesn't flush the toilet. Um, <laughs> but that's the, that, and that, that seems to be how Paul is looking at this as well. Is that he's saying to the Corinthians, there's an issue and we need to deal with it. And I'm on your side and I love you and I want us to make this work. And so I think we can learn from the way that Paul writes to the Corinthians. And we might be able to have these conversations and see positive outcomes come from them, rather than just kind of difficulty and challenge. But you can raise an issue in the most joyful, loving way ever. You could, you could do all the prefix, you could give them the nice slice of bread, um, but none of that really matters if it's not received well, does it? And so we have to look at the way that the issue is received by the Corinthians. So how do we respond when people confront us? Does it change depending on who the person is? Or what kind of relationship you have with them? I know it does for me. I think there's probably like a handful of people that I can take criticism from well. And everyone else, I don't handle it particularly well. <laughs> and when I say a handful, I mean maybe one, and she's at home at the moment. Um, and, but that's because I think these conversations come when you have a good relationship, don't they? And so you have to have that space. You have to be able to know that the person that's giving you this criticism, that's giving you this feedback, has your best interest at heart. And thankfully, the Corinthians, like I said, are better at this than I am. And then probably a lot of us are. Because they clearly have a huge amount of love and respect for Paul. They value his opinion. They know that he has their best interests at heart. And he wants to see them grow. And they want to grow. They're a new church. They want to grow. They want to flourish. They want to be a church that is... Um, that is, that is loving God. That is welcoming. That is, um, that is seeing amazing things happen. And they've entrusted Paul to be someone who they can kind of go to and they can ask for, um, you know, for advice. And they've given him permission to kind of, to you know, to get, have those difficult conversations. And that's not a relationship that we have with everyone. But I think it's really important for us to have those people in our lives as individuals and as a church who can have those difficult conversations with us. So I was, I was you know, I do have a few people in my life who can do it. I was joking when I said Verity is the only person. Because I do have people in my life that I really trust. And I've almost, not explicitly, but they've got permission from me to have those difficult conversations and they call me out on things when I'm, when I'm being stupid. Um, there was there was an incident a little while ago. Um, this is being recorded, isn't it? Yeah, that's no, fine. It's not too bad. Um, so I've got an old an old friend who who um, who was a mentor of mine when I was working at Redland um, Parish Church as a youth worker there. And he's a guy who's a bit older than me. Um, he's a psychologist. He's a really incredible guy. Um, and he was he volunteered in a youth group with me. You know, fantastic. Um, Fantastic dude, and he, yeah, he mentored me for when I was working there. And we, you know, we've kept in touch and that kind of thing, but obviously I've moved away, and we don't see each other a huge amount. And, um, and during the last, uh, the last election, the last general election, I made a disparaging comment on social media about people who had a, an opinion different to mine. Um, and he called me out on it. Um, and the thing is, he was the only person that could do that. Because everyone else agreed with me. I was in an echo chamber of, you know, that's what happens, isn't it, when you, when you get all passionate about things, you surround yourself with people that agree with you and they tell you what you want to hear. But this guy, he kind of broke through that and he just sent me a text message and he said, I need to tell you that that was out of order. And I want to tell you before I see you next time, just so it's not weird when we see each other face to face, and I remember getting that message and it just stopped me in my tracks. And, and my first response was, how dare he? And then I kind of was, oh no, he was right. <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, oh, he's always right. And, and I was wrong. And it was so, um, it was so, it was, and it was, it, it was just, it, was, it got, it hit the right spot, you know what I mean? And it was from the right person and it was true. But if someone else had told me that, I would have just... No, oh, no, don't worry about it. It's, it's nonsense. But because we had that relationship, and I knew his interests were for me to be a better person, and for me to grow, and they always have done, his actions towards me have shown that he has my best interest at heart. He loves me dearly. And this was going to be a really... And, and he could have almost written... I know you're going to be upset with this, but I don't care. Like, that, he could have that could have been the intro that Paul writes could have been his intro to that text message because it was all true it was all true I received it I was angry I was hurt and then I kind of looked at it and I went no he was right and, I, and, and so I think having those people in our lives like I say as individuals is incredibly important because it helps you become a better more rounded person but then I also think as a church it's important that we're asking people well, what are we doing right and what are we doing wrong And what's going on here? And are there things that we're missing? Are there things that we need to be thinking about a little bit more? And to have those kind of difficult conversations is really important. But having them with people that kind of have the church's best interest at heart, that want to see us grow, that want to see us flourish, is really important. I think throughout the chapter we get a real glimpse into the church in Corinth, a group of kind of imperfect people just trying to get things right, ready to learn, ready to seek advice. And there's a rawness about the church and an honesty about it that I think is really, really attractive. And we see it when Paul talks about Titus's visit to the church, he says that it's a welcoming place full of love and encouragement. Which is probably more important than just kind of getting everything right all the time, isn't it? It's not, it doesn't say Titus was happy to go because everything was perfect. And it was like everything, you got things right all the time. Titus is happy to be there with all of the issues, with all of the concerns. Because it's a place that clearly loves Jesus, loves God and wants to be better and wants to grow as a church. And so, just as I finish, I think those are the questions for us as as individuals and as a church. What do we need to do to get to a place where we have that kind of attraction, where people want to be part of what we're doing because um, because we're so welcoming, because we're so encouraging? And what conversations are we having... um, and who are we asking you know, who are we inviting to, to speak to us like Paul did to the Corinthians I'm just going to pray as I finish Father God thank you for this time, thank you for this passage thank you for Paul's letter to the Corinthians and for the relationship he had with that church thank you that Paul loved that church and thank you Father God that you love us as a church you love Ebby. You want us to be a church that is, that is able to have those difficult conversations in order to see our relationships grow and to flourish. Amen.